Okay, we're back. Listen to the Rims and S podcast. She hosts Rob Morris. Uh, segment two. All right, so we left off with uh, wrapping up the East, how it shapes up, my top four rankings for the top four teams in the East. And obviously we got went through all, you know, all the key signings. Now we're going to, you know, switch gears and move on to the Western Conference. We all know is by far the strongest conference. Like, um, it was one of the, one of the hosts in uh, one of the mo- uh, morning shows that I listened to um, was, like, saying, like, basically the Western Conference is the major league and the Eastern Conference is the minor league, which that is pretty strong. I mean, pretty strong, strong words, but it's the truth. Like, I hate to say that as, like, so much – distance between two conferences, but it's like, it's light years, like, West Conference is light years ahead of the East right now, so, I don't know, I mean, I just think whoever wins the East, man, they're gonna have to face a tough, tough team that's gonna be battle-tested in the West. Whoever gets out of the West is probably the probably the champion. We have to say that. I mean, maybe the Bucks is probably the only team that I look at is maybe a team that's a true contender that can you know, compete with anybody in the NBA, but I mean, it's just like a huge drop off the talent level from the West compared to the East. But nevertheless, we didn't get into it. And obviously, we we talked about you know Kawhi and Paul George joining up in the Clippers. How breathtaking that was to see that, and how surprising and flabbergasted we all were to, to really see how it unfolded. But that was a that was definitely by far the the biggest thing to happen, the biggest domino to happen throughout the entire offseason. So now they turn into a middling team all the way to a, a top team in the in the West, if not the NBA. So we'll have to see how that shapes up. And I think it's a great um a great fit because they're known as a more of a hard working defensive minded team under Doc Rivers and now they added two of the best defensive players in the entire NBA. So, I mean, Doc can't mess this up. I mean, <laughs> he cannot mess this up. This is probably the best team he's had since, you know, the 08 Celtics. So, they should be in the NBA Finals. If they're not NBA Finals, then it'll be a huge – I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be easy because it's not because there's so many teams out, out west that, that, are, that are really, you know, that are true contenders. So, I think probably the top five, six – Teams in the West have a chance to, to win it all, I think. So it won't be easy. They're not going to be runaway favorites, but with adding those two pieces, you, you got to be a favorite regardless. I mean, I mean, you got to be a top top tier team. You know, we got probably list um, all the all the teams that are, that rank in in like as far as like tiers go, but they have to be up there without a doubt, as like a 100% true contender, not just contending, actually championship contenders. They're, they're definitely um, in the leader in that in that clubhouse. So that was a, that was a definitely a, a definitely a good signing for the Clippers and definitely um, they had to do what they had to do. They had to make that trade done in order for Kawhi Leonard to even come there. Otherwise, we probably would be seeing him as either a Laker or a Raptor. I don't even know if that trade if that trade wouldn't have happened, what would would have been the, the next scenario for Kawhi. 
would have been the, I probably would have been probably would have been the Lakers, which we which would have sucked. So I'm glad it all worked out that way where he ended up going to the Clippers. But uh, the next signing that was definitely um, a high caliber signing was D'Angelo Russell going to the Warriors. Now we all know Clay Thompson will be out for most of the year with his uh, torn ACL, if not the entire year. So it was huge for the Warriors to get something back from losing Durant and all that, and they were able to get D'Angelo Russell in, in a quote-unquote signing trade. I think it was a somewhat of a signing trade. So I think that was a huge signing because there were rumors that Russell could have went to Minnesota, so he chose the Warriors over Minnesota. And obviously it's a great decision because you're playing with Steph Curry, you're playing with Draymond Green, you're all that championship-level uh, pedigree is around you. So that's going to really be a, a learning experience for, for Russell to play around that type of talent. And I think he'll benefit as well, you know, playing with Steph Curry. He can, I think he'll have more freedom than what people think. People think that, oh, he's coming to Steph Curry's team. Oh, he has to play He's got to play um, second fiddle. But I think Steve Kerr might have his ball in, ball in his hands a lot because Steph Curry is probably one of the better off-ball players that we know, we all know that's a superstar. Like, he excels off off the ball coming off a of, um, pin-down screen. So you're going to see a lot of that those actions this year as Russell will probably be – you know, he's going to come into the team as with the best passer without a doubt. So – you bring in that passing ability to your team. Obviously, you got to put him at point guard. I think he's a better passer than Steph Curry. Steph Curry is a good passer, but I think Russell's next level passer. So you're gonna see him see him have the ball in his hands more than you think, and he'll probably um he definitely will benefit. You know, when Clay Thompson does come back, you know, both of those guys play well off the ball. That's gonna be a deadly lineup, as you probably would have a three guard lineup, which you don't really see much of in the NBA. But like I said, they're all three of those guys are both six foot four at least. So they're bigger guards. So it's not like they're gonna get hurt. It's probably one of the better three guard lineups you'll ever see. Because, you know, Clay Thompson stands at six six, you know, Russell is six six, and then you have Curry at six four, six three. So I mean you're not gonna get really hurt on the glass with that lineup. And plus they also signed Willie Cauley Stein, which that was a huge get as well. So kinda like kinda like a better version of Javel McGee. Or I think he'll be more consistent with these guys than he was with Sacramento. Playing on a winning team is definitely a, a thing that always, you know, regenerates a, a, a player's career. So we have to see how that all fits. But I think it's gonna. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna do well. I think they're gonna win 50 games this year, even in the Western Conference. I still think they're gonna be really good. They they also resigned uh, Kevon Looney as well, but they did lose Iguodala. They did lose um, Livingston. So those are pieces that they're going to have to replace by youth. They did draft pretty well in the past couple of years, and they probably can, you know, add those guys to the rotation. So, you know, plus, they, you know, they, and they also lost Quinn Cook. So that was definitely a uh, kind of a huge loss there as well. But I see the Warriors being right there. I think they'll be right there. They'll be somewhat of a drop-off. Maybe they, maybe they might be high, high 40s in wins. But they'll be right there when it comes down to the playoffs. And if Blake Thompson can find a way to get himself back before then, then you got yourself a really good team right there. That with three guards that do a do a multiple of things out there that can really impact the game. So 
with that, what we'll get into all the Lakers signings, which they had a lot of them. You know, you miss out on Kawhi Leonard. What are you going to do with all that cap space? So they end up signing DeMarcus Cousins. They brought him back with Anthony Davis. They brought back uh, Rajon Rondo. They signed Quinn Cook, like I just mentioned. Um, they, they brought back um, KCP, Hunter's Caldwell Pope. And they also signed Danny Green for $15 million a year. I think it was $50 million, something like that. It was in that range. It was like in the teens. They signed him for a multi-year deal. So they did well for themselves signing those guys, even though they lost out on Kawhi. Still a pretty strong roster either way. You know, you still got Kuzma along with Anthony Davis, along with LeBron and DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, that's going to be a strong lineup either way. So we'll see how that goes. And obviously you got an intriguing thing, a battle of, the, of, uh, battle of Los Angeles where you got two strong teams in Los Angeles. This is going to be great when they play against each other in the Staples Center. We'll, we'll divide the court in half. Lakers, one half Lakers fan, the other half Clippers fans. That's going to be great to see that. Obviously, I've never seen that in an NBA, like, atmosphere. Like, I never, I've seen it in college football atmospheres. I've seen it in maybe college basketball atmospheres, but I've never seen it in a pro sports atmosphere where possibly half the city is split. Clippers fans and Lakers fans. Because obviously, Clippers are going to have new fans now they have Kawhi Leonard. I mean, a lot of people love Kawhi Leonard because of his, his humble mentality. Like, they like that he's not like a normal superstar that kind of screams attention. Like, he doesn't bring attention to himself. So, he's going to create a lot of fans in L.A. that have, that can relate to his, his, um, his, um, his mentality. So, like I said, you're gonna you're gonna see when those when those two teams face off, which is gonna play four times this year, you're gonna see a divided crowd. You're gonna see a divided crowd of Lakers fans. You're gonna see a divided crowd of Clippers fans, which is, I think, is really is I think it's great. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think you ever see that, but you're probably gonna end up seeing that because you're gonna see a bunch of Clippers fans this year. You're gonna see, and obviously the you know Lakers fans never, they're always gonna be, you know. They're always going to be in, in in the scene of everything when it comes down to their team. They're always more supportive of fan base. So that's going to be fun to see. I hope, you know, those are going to be really, um, really good games. So the next move that I say was probably, which I feel like is underrated. People are really underrating this guy. But Bajan, Rojan Brodanovic going to the Jazz was huge. I mean, they already got Mike Conley in a trade, and then they add a piece like that that was, like, the Pacers' leading scorer, which is not saying a lot because the Pacers don't have a lot of offense with that team when Oladipo went down. But I still thought it was impressive that Bogdanovich stepped in and kind of was, like, their leading scorer at the time. So I think that was underrated because not like they expect him to be that type of guy. He'll, he'll probably slide into, like, a, you know, maybe a third or fourth option on that team, which is crazy to say that you're a third option, but you was like a main option on a playoff team in the East. You got Mike Conley, you got Devin, Donovan Mitchell, and then you got Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles. I mean, that's a strong, strong lineup. But, I mean, don't sleep on the Jazz. They're going to be right there. 
competing at a high level. And they also added a few, you know, good players in the draft as well. You know, they didn't lose some death. You know, they traded away Crowder and Kyle Koiver, but I still think their starting five is going to be better starting five in the NBA. So they're going to be strong. So don't sleep on the Jazz. And I think that was a very, you know, very underrated move. So, I mean, it wasn't that much movement in the West, but those are the key signings I thought were key. Um, we're going to get into what what I'll call probably the underrated move for both conferences. And probably, I'd have to say the most underrated move in the East was Derrick Rose going to the Pistons. Um, like I said, they were also included in the rumors for Russell Westbrook, but it sounds like Derrick Rose will be the starting point guard for that team. And that's huge because I mean, he had a, a really good season last year. He kind of recovered from, you know, all the, you know, those down years that he had when he was recovering from his injury that he had. He was torn his a couple times, so it's been, a, it's been a long road for him. And I thought last year was a, a – good sign that he can get back to his old self again. But now you add him to a, a very strong, you know, Pistons team that has a very good front court with, with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond um, and all the miscellaneous pieces around him. They definitely are going to be a player in the East for sure. So that was, I thought that was very underrated signing by the Pistons signing for Dwayne Casey to get, uh, to get Rose something and then also underrated in the Western Conference, I have to say, was J.J. Reddick going to the Pelicans. I felt like that was a surprise to me because I didn't think, you know, a guy maybe at his age would be going to, like, uh, uh, I mean, I thought he would have probably stayed with Philly. You know what I'm saying? But he he decided to go elsewhere to get more money elsewhere. So I think they paid him a, you know, close to 16 or $17 million a year for that contract. Get what he had to do. Plus, he probably sees the potential in Zion Williamson as them being a uh, player in the West. As we all know, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to be a player in the West now when we see all the teams stack up right now. They'll be lucky to get a playoff spot, but they still have a very young core that looks promising. You look at Lonzo Ball, you look at Brandon Ingram, you look at, you know, obviously Zion Williamson. I think uh, Jackson Hayes showed himself in the beginning of that has been you know, uh, a guy that people were sleeping on. I'm like, it's a reason why he was a lottery pick. This guy has talent. He's very talented. His stats doesn't show how much he impacts the game. He's, he's a very impactful player, as we've seen. Somewhere. So you add that, you add that young core, and then you have, you know, they also got Derek Favors as well from Utah. So, I mean, they, they, they got a strong team, nevertheless. So I thought Reddit made a pretty – Good decision. I mean, for him, I, I thought that was a bit surprising for him at his age to be, go to the Pelicans, but go to more of a young up-and-coming team. But yeah, that he chose to get paid, you know, more money than to really go for a, a more of a more of a championship-driven situation. So that's what he chose. But it's still an underrated move, and I still think the Pelicans will benefit possibly getting into the playoffs because of that move. I thought Reddick would definitely be a huge signing overall. And now the tough part is the top four teams in the West. I mean, 
This is going to be tough. But here's what I got. Number one, I got the Clippers. You had why? Yeah, Jeff. Uh, Jeff. I was about to say Jeffrey. Paul George to that mix that already was one of the better teams in the West as far as like their their compete level. Doc Rivers had them playing hard every night, and then you add those two defensive caliber players. Like you're gonna be you're gonna be a really good team. So. I got the Clippers being number one in the West. Number two, the Lakers. You had LeBron with – I mean, LeBron's already team on the team, but you add Anthony Davis with DeMarcus Cousins, with Danny Green. Like, that's a, that's a strong team overall. That's a very strong team. So, you know, they lost out on Kawhi. They still was able to really bolster their roster with a lot of um, – high-level caliber players that are veterans in this league. They don't have a lot of much youth, which that could be somewhat of a question mark, but that's pretty much pretty much what you'll see with LeBron. LeBron shoots to really surround himself with veteran players, so that's what you get, a veteran team that when it comes down to play- <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes down to playoff time, they'll be right there in the mix, you know, and I think it will be a huge um, disappointment if they don't lock down our, our Western Conference Finals today. So, with that, that's my number two team. Number three team in the West, I'd probably say Utah, because Utah had a, had a strong offseason, getting Mike Conley, getting Bojan Bogdanovic to add to a probably um, – well, I mean, it's not a crazy talented lineup, but it's, it's a it is a very strong lineup because they do they I can't say that they're not talented because they are talented. That is a talented lineup, but it's for some reason they they, they come off as underrated team. They kind of like remind me of the Celtics. Like you look at the Celtics, like Celtics got a strong lineup. You got Kimba Walker, Hayward, Tatum, Brown. I mean. I mean, potentially, that's what could be the lineup day one. And same thing with the Jazz. You got Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, um, Gobert. Like, and then obviously Joe Ingles. We all know how well Joe Ingles is. So, I mean, that's a that's a strong lineup. And I still, like I said, my words is their death. I don't think they have, they lost some death, you know, trading away for Conley. Trading away people like Crowder and something. Conley, but they're still going to be strong. I mean, I, I think they'll find a way plugging guys that you know probably were you know guys that you didn't expect to be um, NBA caliber players, but you know, they, I mean, uh, Snyder has that same type of feel that that uh, Brad Stevens has with developing players. I, I think he's very good at developing players. So you'll probably see them develop a bench by the end of the season to match up with that strong lineup that they have. And they're probably going to be really good defensively as well. I mean, you obviously get defensive players against Gobert and you got Donovan Mitchell and Conley. They're both really good elite defenders at their position. So they're going to be good. They're going to be, they're going to be very good. So that's my number three team. Number four, I would have to say, after all this, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still debating. 
between either the rocket or a bunch of teams that really stand out to me as like teams that really could be something. Poland's good as well. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of strong teams, but I have to say maybe anywhere between Portland or Houston. But I'm gonna lean towards Portland. Because I feel like Portland has more more continu- continuity than what the Rockets have. The Rockets have to kind of develop themselves. We don't know how that's going to work out with Westbrook and Harden. I, I'm, they're going to be good, but this is going to work out where they're going to be a championship contender in the day. And I think Portland was in the Western Conference Finals last year. So you got to give them the nod as a team that, that can do well. They did lose some talent with Canner and then you know a bunch of other guys like Seth Curry. Um, but I think they'll be right there. They got they got a son Whiteside back from Miami. Um, they traded Miles Leonard to get that guy. So, which is, I mean, a guy when he is engaged, he can be impactful on the defensive end. He's obviously a double double rebound guy as well. So, I think that was a good signing for them. I mean, a good trade piece that they got back in that deal. So, Cole will be right there. I think they'll be right there. Damian Lillard, one of the best point guards in the NBA, and then you got CJ McCullough. They'll be right there. I think they're the fourth team in the West, believe it or not. All right, so we'll wrap that up. We'll quickly, briefly get into what's going on with the Summer League. I mean, obviously, everyone is so into what Taco Fall has done. Like literally, like Jeremy Lin mania all over again, and people are just so crazy about him. And where it is, I mean, he may not even make the roster for the Celtics, or may not even make any NBA roster. They want to see how he does in the G League first. And I don't know. I just feel like people don't know how to, at least with the experts that I'm hearing around. Obviously, the fans are going crazy for the guy, and they think he should be on the NBA team. He should be on the Celtics. It'd be crazy if the Celtics let him go. My take on it is he's, I mean, you don't see players like him that often. So it's always an unknown. And people are just, they're afraid to really, to really kind of base their opinion on the unknown. Like this guy is like, there's nobody like this guy. Like, obviously, we can go back in the days and find guys like Bennett Bull and, and George Marison as guys that are similar to him. But lately, we've seen a bunch of these guys, you know, playing in G League or whatnot that – and they don't – they can't find a role in the NBA, on an NBA roster. And I just think – I think it's kind of – they're kind of stereotyping the current – Seven foot four, seven foot five guys that weren't able to make it. I mean, obviously, Bobon uh, is one guy that we obviously look at as a guy that was able to make it on an NBA roster. And, you know, as he is, he's still, you know, getting deals from other teams. As he just signed with the Dallas Mavericks. So I think it's tough to really do. It's tough that they're doing this taco. They're kind of putting him out there as like, oh, he's just like another big guy that. You know, that can't, you know, defend the three-point line, can't 
you know, move well like like a like a guy that we should that we want. Maybe that might be shorter, but I feel like there's a lot of big guys that don't move well that were able to to be in the NBA, and I just think um, you can't really put him like those other big guys. I mean, obviously you look at guys like maybe uh, Roy Hibbert that you know, and then obviously Shaq, and those guys never really moved that well as this as Taco Fall. I think Taco Fall. Um, the one thing I would have to say. He would have to learn. He'd have to be a better rebounder. Uh, as I've watched him, he's he's he can move well, but he doesn't he doesn't have this aggression in him that he wants to rebound every time. And, and sometimes it, I mean, well, I I think scouts are looking at that heavily that he doesn't rebound the ball well enough to stay on the I mean, to really be a, a more what a what a what a big man is supposed to be. So, that I think that hurts. But he moves well. He gets up and down the floor. Well, then you you would never think, you know. So I think I mean it's it sucks that they're comparing him to maybe those other big guys that don't move as well. But I think he, but he I think he moves well. Than a lot of those, guys. I think he's very fairly athletic for his size. He gets up and down the floor, and I think he's always going to be an impact on the defensive end as well when it comes down to being. Being a rim protector, so I don't know. I feel like they should give him more of a chance to at least try to at least compete for an NBA team. I mean, hopefully the South, you know, bring him into training camp at least. And if he does well against NBA caliber players, you, you got to at least give him a chance to get that get a chance to be with to be an NBA player. That's what I feel, and I just think you know there's a lot of guys that don't, a lot of bigs that don't rebound well. I remember the Celtics signed Ryan Holland. I mean, they signed Ryan Holland as a guy. They said, "All right, let's let's use you for the playoffs." He was a terrible rebounder. He couldn't rebound in his area. Like at least I feel it. Like, I mean, with Taco, he can rebound in his area. He just can't rebound outside of his area. That hurts. So, but overall, I think he's a great defensive player, and he moves. A, who moves extremely well can can run the floor like a big that you know what you'd find in a modern day big that can run the floor. He can do that. He can do that very well. So I think they should give you know Taco more of a chance to stop kind of stereotyping him to other big men that were in his position as well. One guy, one name that sticks out sticks out to me as maybe a guy that they're probably comparing is. Him too is probably the, the the big man from UC Irvine. He was uh, his name is Mamadou Mamadou Njai. Yeah, I think that that's his name. Mamadou Njai. Very similar player. Came up maybe two years ago, and same thing. They were saying the same thing with him. They're saying as Taco Fall. But I think I think he has a little, Taco Fall has a little bit more athleticism than him. He's a little bit more athletic coming out. He has similar stats to him as well in college, but I still think Taco's a bit more athletic than him. So I just think they're really stereotyping those guys as slow plotting bigs. Really, I think he's not that. I think he has the potential to be more than that. So I think it's it's really um it's really frustrating because as a Celtic fan, you see that they have a glaring need at center, and they're gonna they're gonna just decide to feel like they're they're. Him to, to put him on the roster. I just think it's really 
really um what's the word to look for? They're not they're not being they're not they're not they're not they're not being um forthcoming with that. They're not being forthcoming. It's just like you obviously you have a glaring issue at center. Why wouldn't you why wouldn't you at least give them the flyer and give them a chance? I mean obviously they're giving them a training camp invite, that's what I heard. He's gonna be in training camp. And they'll see how it goes there. So, if that's the case, hopefully they do give him a training camp, training camp invite. But I just recently seen a Brad Stevens interview that's saying that he's dismissing them already. So, we'll have to see how it goes. I honestly would like him to be on the Celtics 50-man roster for sure. But they think, all the experts think we're crazy for thinking that. So, I don't know what happens. To see how it all goes, see how he does. I mean, I like to see him tonight. How he does against Memphis. I think Memphis might have a better plan for him. He had a big game against Memphis. Obviously, it was in a blowout, so a lot of the points were garbage. But he did play well early on. At times, I still think people are catching up to him. Early, early on in the summer league, he was he was kind of dominating, but they they've learned to like probably, you know, be more physical with him, and that's kind of bothered him at times, so if Taco can learn to be a little bit more physical and rebound better, try to at least rebound in his area, not be so quick to be you know, be the first big man up the floor, which he tends to, tends to do that, kind of be more, more responsible with rebounding his position, at his position, then I think, you know, he will he'll find his way on NBA roster. He has to improve on those things. Other than that, I think he I think he's gonna you know, he'll obviously be in the G League, but you know that's you know that I think his value is gonna be limited. I, that's what I feel. I think you're playing in the G League, you're gonna be playing with similar players you're playing in the summer league. So you're not really learning that experience. But him maybe possibly dominating it. I don't think he's that type of guy. I think he's a guy that kind of fits a role, and if you put him in a position to be a role player, I think he'll be a great role player. I don't think he'll ever be a guy to dominate, you know, really be a dominant player at that, you know, at any level. But that's just my opinion on it. But uh, what his upside is. But uh, yeah, so as well as that news. Yavasel, uh, Gershon Yavaselli just got waived, so that opens up a, a, a roster spot. You know, maybe they can sign someone from the veterans minimum if they don't, you know, take a flyer on Taco Fall. So, either way, I think it's good overall. They have to eat that money. But, it, you know, if they were to make the move now, now was the time. That way, they wouldn't have to be guaranteeing his money for the upcoming year. So, they had, you know, it's a bit of a cap hit, but. They can always stretch it throughout, you know, couple, you know, until his contract, um, until his contract ends. So I think he's signed um, until next year, I believe. So, so they had to make that move because Gershon hasn't shown anything in the summer. They gave him two games, got hurt, and he hasn't shown anything like the past three years that he's been on the Celtics. I mean, obviously it's been tough to to get a role when you have, you know, a playoff caliber team every year, but it's, it's not like, you know, it's 
you can see the promise in him. You just don't really see much, much promise in him. And he doesn't come into training camp in the best shape either. Like he wasn't in great shape either to come into this training camp. So that hurt him. So I mean, the Celtics had to go a different direction. But like I said, Danny Ainge loves getting those undersized bigs. You just hope that Grant Williams doesn't turn out to be the next guy that ends up, you know, shooting himself out of the NBA in a couple. Hopefully, Grant Williams is different. So like I said, when Grant Williams got drafted, I was totally against it. So I was just like, well, that's like another big man that you've gotten that has not been to stay in the league. And you can go back all the way to Glenn Davis. You know, I felt like Glenn Davis was, was big for the Celtics championship. Um, championship post, those um, championship runs those couple of years. Yeah, I think he was big. Huge for them. But he's out of the league right now. It's not like he's He's still in the league, and he's still a fairly young guy, and he's still out of the league playing in the big three right now. So those undersized bigs just don't stick. So Draymond Green is the only guy that I know that was undersized big that stuck, and they just usually don't stick. So Gershon is in the long list that long list of players that are undersized at their position that you know that are. That look like football players more than basketball players that don't stick. So, so that happened. And then also, Carson Edwards has been amazing. I think he's gonna be a he's gonna make a huge impact this year coming off the bench as being like a quote unquote six man for this team, like kind of like a Lou Williams type of role for this team. So they, they they've been looking for a guy like that for a long time. I mean, you want to say, oh, Marcus Smart is that? Marcus Smart, I don't really is. He's not – Mark Smart's not a scorer. You know what I'm saying? He might have his games where he does score well, but ideally he's not a scorer. So you got yourself a, a guy that can get buckets. And this Celtic team, without a doubt, needs that more than ever. They would have had that with this year's team. Mark Smart was similar to that, but like I said, Carson Edwards is, is, is a guy that gets buckets. Like he's not a guy that – doesn't get buckets. Like, he's a consistent shot maker. Like, it's not a game where he had, he, he'll have a bad game and then he'll have a good game. No, I mean, I'm, we'll see how he does in the NBA. Obviously, I mean, he's different in college. But as far as I know, in every level that he's played at, he's got buckets. So that's why I, I was big on him early in the draft process. I was huge on him. I was like, all right, the Celtics have to find a way to get this guy. And they did. They're lucky that he fell to them in the second round. I didn't think he would fall to him in the second. I thought someone would have snatched him up in the first round. But um, now people are saying, like, damn, like, you wish you would have, you wish you would have got him in the first round. Some of you guys uh, decided to pass him up. And Celtics was lucky enough to get him, you know, early in the second round. So it's definitely paying off. So, like I said, that that was my guy from the onset. We're able to get them. And then to wrap this show up, like I said, we're going way past an hour. But like I said, I'm just trying to catch up. There was a lot went that went on. So I expected the show to go on past an hour. And to wrap things up, a few guys that really caught my eye. Um, Lonnie Walker, I think he's been – He's been unbelievable. I mean, I I expected this from Lonnie Walker. I I no no one was crazy. Lonnie Walker got drafted what two years ago, 
I wrote an article on maybe a uh, sports site. I don't know if anyone has read or uh, has has heard about this website. It's called sportsblog.com. I started writing for that that site, throwing articles in. I threw in maybe about four or five articles, and I wrote I wrote an article about NBA draft sleepers. I had maybe about four guys on that list. One guy was that was on that list was Lonnie Walker. I had Lonnie Walker. I can I think I can remember. I think maybe I can remember a few of the guys. Lonnie Walker was one of them. Chandler Hutchinson was the other, and then the other one was um, Mitchell Robinson, which we all know Rich Robinson's doing well in the NBA right now. People were saying that he was going to be a bust, but look, he's done well. So again, I'm predicting I'm predicting the future. I I know my stuff, and once again, I hit on another another guy that, you know, like I said, it's not always, it's not, it's not always the easiest thing to hit on draft picks or to really call, you know, to see talent and to see if it will translate to the next level. And I've seen seen something in Mitchell Robinson that would definitely translate, and so far it's working out with the Knicks. And then you have Chandler Hutchinson, which I think he's having a very good summer league this year. Last year he was kind of hurt most of the year, didn't have much of a role, but I think he'll have a huge role this year with the Bulls. So I think Chandler Hutchinson will be a, a a nice piece for the Bulls. And then now we got Lonnie Walker that's killing the summer league. The guy's averaging like close to 30 a game in the summer league the past three or four games. Um, he's doing great. I think they're in the playoffs as well. So you'll, you'll get to see him today. Um, I don't know if the game is on or not. I, I have to check the schedule, but he's fun to watch. If, you, if you're able to catch a few of these playoff summer league games, check him out. Um, the guy is a freak of nature like he's a he's a freak athlete um he's showing me a lot of finesse that i didn't think he had in this game i think we all know he's a, he's a super athletic guy but like he's making layups and like falling away from the rim and just like he's got a lot of flair and flash to his game and then he uses that athleticism to really to be a great finisher. So that's what he's been able to do a lot of, been able to really get by a lot of guys. He's shown a very, very good uh, pull-up mid-range jump shot he goes to. So sky's the limit for him. I think he's going to be a really good piece for the Spurs in upcoming years. You got him, you got Deontay Murray that was hurt last year. You had those pieces in. They did end up losing Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris ended up going to the Knicks instead of the Spurs. So that was huge, but they also got they end up getting Trey Lyles. So similar player, you know, very you know more operates in the mid range. So a similar guy. So I don't really think it was a huge loss, but they did get a similar player to Marcus. But like I said, the Spurs got a, a nice team. For the Spurs to be successful, they gotta worry about. They gotta um, depend on developing their their players from the in, you know, from in house. And Nigel's another guy that's gonna be a star caliber player. I think Lonnie Walker's gonna be a star. Like if that doesn't show you that he's gonna be a star. I don't know what will, but he's killing the summer. I mean, he is dominating out there and using that athleticism. Just if you find that article, you can look it up. It's called NBA sleepers, NBA draft sleepers. 
and then type in sports blog and maybe a Google search, you'll probably find that article and you'll see Lonnie Walker, the, one of those players that are listed on there. So, I mean, I can, like I said, rap, rap, I I can be a I can I I feel I'm very confident in when it comes down to my draft expertise. Like um I know how to catch talent from the on from the onset, and I can see what they can project, and I I can see that from Monty Walker. He just looks like the next prototypical three and D Jimmy Butler esh Kawhi Leonard esh type of player. So that's what he'll be. He kind of. He's more of a two guard than a three, but he's got a nice wingspan, so he might be able to play, you know, three because of his, you know, his wingspan. If he gains a little weight as well, but he already looks the part already. He looks like he's gonna have a strong year, so he's dominating. But it is summer league, but I feel like it's still summer league can be can be a, a good um, indicator of what. The caliber of a player could be like obviously if you dominate in some of you're gonna you're gonna do well like a lot of guys have done well when they dominate in some of these. so then then there's a lot then there's cases that is the opposite so it's it's not always you can go by it but it definitely is a strong indicator if you can dominate in some of these. that means you're good enough to at least be a solid NBA player in some way so I think he definitely caught my eye Tyler Harrell Miami, um, he definitely caught my eye. He's definitely, I was hoping the Celtics could have gotten him, but he ended up getting drafted the pick before us. And if he would, if he would have fell to the Celtics, I see the Celtics would have gotten him. He would, they would have gotten him. So I mean, Miami was able to get him before we did, and he's been big for them. I think he's going to be your next. I don't know about Devin Booker. I think that's the comparison that's been thrown around a lot, but I just think he's going to be um, just a sound, good shooter. I think J.J. Redick is more of a better comparison. I think he's more like J.J. Redick than anything else. Doesn't do a lot of different things. I mean, can you know can do different things here and there, but for the most part, he's just a sh- uh, knockdown shooter. So that's what he'll you know what he'll do from from day one. And that's gonna really help, you know, Jimmy Butler to to every time Jimmy Butler's getting a lot of attention on him or he's uh Butler is penetrating, he'll find Tyler Harrow in the corner for a three. Definitely will stretch the floor out for sure. So I think he's definitely, you know, proven himself as a as a very um capable NBA player from day one, as we've seen, you know, so far in some of these. Um, the next guy, you know, been a surprise. This, this guy definitely came out of left field, but uh, Chris Bocher from the Toronto Raptors has played really well. Um, getting double-double rebounds as well as averaging like 22 a game, I believe, in the summer league. So he's he's definitely been he's been sound. He's got to gain some gain a little bit of weight. But kind of reminds me of people say Sakiem, but he can do more things than what Sakiem can do. I think they're different in some ways, but they both have similar body types. They're both like the long, 
athletic, uh, small four types. So, you know, they're losing Kawhi Leonard, but like the Spurs, Toronto has to kind of build within. So they got to find, you know, gems and, you know, guys from, like, different countries that are, like, um, more European, you know, guys from the EuroLeague or other other basketball leagues that are, that are doing big things in those leagues to build their team. They can't find a way to build their team through free agency and stuff like that because teams really, uh, excuse me, players don't want to come to the Sorry about that. I was getting a Facebook message. But, yeah. all right, so that was really loud. I really, like, messed up my whole vibe. But, yeah. All right, so, yeah, like, like I'm saying, like, Chris Bocher is definitely going to be a guy that, that um that's going to be, like, the next best thing for the Raptors at this point. They, they, they need to build within. So, they got a strong team right now. Who knows, you know, they can, you know, they can compete. You know, who knows what they could, you know, they could find. I didn't, I didn't expect anything from Pascal Saxon like this. I didn't expect him to be the type of player. So, if Chris Bocher could be that type of guy, that would be great. That would work out perfectly for Toronto. And they'll be right there with those teams that I that I mentioned, like top teams in the league. Because they have a strong team, you know, outside of Kawhi Leonard. People said, oh, like, they don't have talent around him. You got Marcus Saul, you got Serge Ibaka, you got, um, you got Van Vliet, you got Kyle Lowry still. You guys still got a strong team. Pascal Sakian, you still got a strong team. And you have this, maybe another piece that works out. That's going to be crucial, you know? So, it doesn't matter where you get it as long as you find talent. It doesn't matter where you find it. You know, those teams have to focus on that. Maybe even a Probably put OKC now that they got burned from Paul George. You put OKC in that, in that, in that, in that um level as well. You know, even Milwaukee. Milwaukee had to draft those caliber players. You know, Middleton was drafted by the Bucks. Um, Greek Freak was drafted by the Bucks. They have to find talent through the draft. I mean, people want to just chase after stars, but at the end of the day, sometimes you need to develop players within. In order for you to really stay consistent or stay stay competitive for multiple years, I think that's what people try to they always overrate that that aspect of, of team building. So, so that that the Chris Bush Bruce Boucher works out. That's going to be a huge thing because they just lost Kawhi Leonard. So now they get a guy that can did somewhat, somewhat. Not, he's not Kawhi Leonard, but can somewhat replace his production. All right, and then the next guy, which I was very impressed with, just in his first game, and then the second game, I thought he played really well as well. Jackson Hayes, he's also in the playoffs. Keep an eye on him. Um, I also like Nikhil Alexander Walker as well. Like they're both playing really well, and you know, no Zion Williamson, of course, but they still have enough young guys, even without Zion Williamson, to really be one of the best teams in the summer league. So. Jackson Hayes, what really sticks out about him, he plays really, really hard. Like, he he plays really hard. He's super athletic. He's got a, a big wingspan. Like, he feels like he can block every shot. And, and the way he dunks the ball, he dunks it, you know, with, with, with force and purpose. And 
Like he's he's gonna be a big. I mean, people are sleeping on him. People are really sleeping on him. You know, obviously Zion Williamson is, is getting a lot of love for for good reason, but you can't sleep on Jackson Hayes, man. He's just as talented when it comes down to as far as athletic standpoint. That I mean, they got an athletic front court coming in. You know, I mean, obviously they do have more slower plotting guys with, with Okafor and Derek Favors, but they also have some athleticism as well with Zion and Jackson Hayes. So it was key that they were able to get those two guys. You know, you know, David Griffin was willing and dealing to to um get those two guys together. So that was huge. And then they also got Nikhil Alexander Walker, which plays a lot like his cousin, um, um, Shea Gilly. Jay Gillis Alexander, so I don't, I, I don't know if that's his <laughs> real name, but I, I would just call him Shay. Shay, Shay Gill, I can't even say it. So such a big, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, like we all know, he's going to the, uh, he's going to OKC in that trade with uh Paul George, young stud from, from that used to play for the Clippers now in OKC. So yeah, they're cousins. So. That, um, so obviously, I would have to say, like, that is um, a huge, I mean, I feel like the Pelicans probably had the best strap besides the Celtics. Like, they really did a good job of getting all these pieces and really um, bolstering their roster with the trade um, for Anthony Davis. So they're, they're going to be a nice young core that's really promising for years to come. All right, so like I said, I'm stumbling all over my words. It's probably the longest show I've ever had. Um, this is going on o- almost an hour just in one segment, almost. And my last segment was like a little bit over a half an hour, so probably close to about almost a half hour and a half. Me just talking about all the craziness that's gone on the past couple of weeks with the agency and the trades and whatnot, but it's, it's, it's going to be a fun, fun year. Like, the parody is unbelievable. Obviously, you know how strong the West is, but this is wide open as well. And it's just going to be a lot of parody that you that you normally don't see. There's a lot of quote-unquote duels that are not – I don't really think there's a super team this year. I mean, I would say Lakers are kind of, kind of a super team. If Cousins can get back to his old self again which I've seen in the interview that he lost a lot of weight. If he can get back to his old self again, I think they're a super team. I mean, Cousins, at his peak, he's a superstar. At his peak, he's a superstar. If they start him, give him starting minutes, he's going to be getting 20 and 10 if he's, if he's at, at what he was before the injury. So a lot of things to look out for. A lot of things, you know, we've got a lot of upcoming teams. You got Dallas. Doing what they did with Prazingis and, and, and Donkage, they added a couple of pieces in the free agency. A lot of underrated moves that they added. So I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it all um, sticks out, and obviously see how the, the you know the, the upcoming rookie class does. It's gonna it's gonna be fun, man. I'm 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 excited. Like I can't wait. Training camp, which probably be in, you know mid September. Every year it's earlier every year, but hopefully it's probably maybe a one month of just, you know, a dry month, which I'll focus, you know, the upcoming month, I'll focus more on college basketball and high school in that month 
I mean, just trying to get all this NBA stuff done because a lot of NBA stuff going on. By the end of the month, the summer league will be over. I mean, well, summer league will be over uh, the end of this week. So probably by coming into this end of this month and then into August, I'll focus more on high school and college stuff because that's when their seasons start a little bit more earlier. Particularly, you know, you're gonna see a little bit, you're gonna see some um, AAU stuff and recruits, and I'm gonna try to get all that stuff. Um, together in the upcoming month for sure. It will be all on the website. I will be updating the website more. I kind of took a break on that as well. So you're going to see more updates on the website this upcoming week. Go visit the site. I'm not going to say it a million times. It's just like I said, it's 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 great quality information. Like you're going to you're going to get something that's more unique than you'll probably get than you'll probably on ESPN. ESPN is good. I'm not saying that ESPN and all those other sports sites are good, but they're definitely there's definitely more there's definitely more of a unique perspective on my site where I'm focusing more on the high school aspect of it, especially in this upcoming month. If you guys are interested in hearing more about high school basketball and, and that beat, gonna be more in tap to do more of that next month because you'll you'll see more of what my site will value more so in the next month so we'll get into more of that next month and it'll be all on the website and i will have podcasts explaining details on recruiting how the how players will fare out in college stuff like that get all that i also have a, a top 100 recruiting list for um, high school players coming into their high school years. That's something that you're not going to really find anywhere. So I don't care. You can look at maybe Max Preps or all those other sites that cover high school sports, but you're not going to get more of an in-depth thing, particularly coming into the local New England area region. You're not going to get anything like this. So definitely visit the website, find out, more about that. Um, I keep on forgetting to bring this up. Um, there's also uh, there's also a tab on my website that showcases basketball camps. Which obviously we're in we're in this we're in midsummer. Um, these are where a lot of these basketball camps happen. So there will be a list on the website. But you can search it basketball camps. Um, obviously, I had I had you know, I had Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. You know, pro basketball, basketball camps, but I'm having more like more of a universal, um, more universal basketball camps all over, you know, New England that are just, you know, that get that gives a chance to get, you know, if you have young ones, you know, get them out there, get them involved in those basketball camps because you want them to really become something as they get older because they'll gain some exposure, they'll learn all the fundamentals, like all the things that, you know, the basketballs that the basketball players that you watch now, it all started when they were younger. They, 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 those skills started at a young age. They didn't become great players out of nowhere. I mean, it happens to some guys, but it doesn't happen to all the guys. Usually, you start out playing AAU at a young age, or they play 
in those um, basketball camps, summer camps at a young age, and they get really crucial, um, you know, basketball skills, and, and it helps you to learn the game inside and out, so that when you're not so raw when you're in, when you're in high school or, or in college, you you know how to play. So the earlier you do it, the better. So I have a feature on my website on that. So just check it out. Um, I have all the information for each camp, all the prices, the the age group, all that, all the location, all that is listed on the website. Um, I will up, update it daily. Like I said, um, we're heading into the end of July. We're in mid-July right now. So I'm going to have some you know, camps for August as well, so that way you're ahead of the game. So check that out. That's something you're not going to find on most websites. That's more unique to what what I can bring as well. Like that's probably the key thing with this, you know, website. I'm just trying to bring more awareness. You know, basketball is a growing sport. It's a very popular sport, but I feel like it, it's not as popular as I thought it would be around, you know, around here. So really, I'm kind of trying to grow the game. You know, I what I can do to try to grow the game. We're putting my, you know, two cents in, and, and I could go on and on about this, but let's. I'm I'm just gonna cut it off right there because it's been long enough, and I'm stumbling to get my thoughts out. So <laughs> we'll wrap this up right now. Um, you listen to the Rims and Nets podcast. Your host Rob Morris. Um, have a good have a good day, everybody. Enjoy the nice weather, and I'm out. Peace.